It's that time of the year where everybody started to make their vacation plans on visiting Kentucky, the mecca of bourbon. And if you are coming to Kentucky, you need to make sure you visit us at Pursuit Spirits in Louisville. We're right in the heart of Clifton, near Butchertown and Nulu, and only just a few miles away from downtown Louisville. But when you do come, you need to book your experience to go do our whole shebang. This is the one that's really the star of the show. You get a full-on tasting. You get to do your own personal barrel selection experience. And you get to grab a whiskey thief and fill your bottle directly from the barrel. We're doing something completely brand new that nobody else is doing here in bourbon country. Plus, you get a free sweet tasting glass at the end of it. I guarantee you, you're going to end up being one of the many people that's also leaving us a five-star review. So make sure you come and check us out. You can book your reservation by going to PursuitSpirits.com and clicking the Visit Us button. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're so glad you're here as we get behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey. Joining me back from the Florida sunshine, we have Ryan and also Kenny. He was my, in the Kentucky sunshine. My pale skin shows it right now. Well, it wasn't very sunny. I think we got three days of sun, a lot of rain, a lot of cold. Even but, if it uh, was sunny, he was stuck in the warehouse working. What were you doing? I was doing a lot of fun stuff. I was swimming and doing polar plunges, golf cart rides. These you know, calluses on my hands show exactly how hard hanging, I was working. When we, when yeah. Uh, to, to be clear, the video that Brian put up is Kenny working like months ago. It wasn't the week that. Although it, it wasn't. Was, it was 100% it was, right then. It was definitely. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were in like shorts or something. No. I, well, yeah, I put shorts on because I was, you see how like nice these walls are painted and drywalled and all this sort of stuff? That that just didn't happen magically. I'm going to pull the Lauren card and say, that's your fault for doing that shit. <laughs> Guys, you should have hired somebody to do it. It's been a little tense in the uh, studio since we got back here. So hopefully. Yeah, my request for a timeshare got denied <laughs> in Florida. So. He did plead for one just since last recording. So yeah. no, I do appreciate all the work, and sorry I was gone last week, but it was good. That's good okay. to have some family time. You're smart. You actually plan for these things. So well, like, I don't plan them to be clear. Okay. My, my wife plans, and I say I'm better go, or she's going to leave me. So fifty percent of you plan. We don't plan, and we end up overpaying for everything we absolutely do. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up booking our spring break trip like a week and a half ago. Oh, we've had spring break for like eight months. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so it's like everything's booked up. Flights are asinine. We're like. All right, I guess this is what it is. So we never learn our lesson. Nope, it's okay. At least you're going. Yes. Where'd y'all decide? You know, we haven't done one of these in a while. Daytona Beach. <laughs> Daytona, <laughs> Daytona Beach. Or Panama that City. That was what I was, remember I was talking about yeah. last time. I was like, I couldn't remember what it was. No, we're actually going to do a Royal Caribbean cruise. Oh, there you go. Uh, we haven't, me and my wife haven't done a cruise. That was actually the first vacation we ever did 14 years ago. It was actually going on a cruise together. And that- that will test your relationship when you're in a, a box 150 square feet together for oh, yeah. seven days. But that was one of those things that now our kid's old enough, and I think you know, the cruise ships are crazy. I've I mean, never been on one. I mean, well, it's, it's, would never. it's, a, it's basically a planet on the water. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, there's everything. They have shopping balls. They have surfing. They have rock climbing walls. They've got all this sort of stuff. So, And it's, it's I would say it's all you can eat with restrictions where in the caribbean so we'll just be doing uh, like going to miami and then 
we're going to be doing. That doesn't sound very Caribbean. <laughs> no, I know. You you're, start, you you're start Miami. Miami. Uh, then you go, Royal Caribbean has their own private island like Cocoa Bay. And then I think there's maybe Jamaica. I don't know. What else is around there? <laughs> it does. You got a bunch of those. You realize islands. I just put down the credit card. Yeah, like Puerto this. Rico, Dominican Republic. It's not uh, going to the DR. I know. That. Do you know what the ship is that you're going on? Uh, Legend of the Seas. Legends of the Sea. I believe that's. Let me, I wanted to pull up the list of this because I've been looking at videos of Icon of the Sea. Oh, which that's is insane. It's in. It's absolutely insane. I don't understand how you all do this stuff. I mean, that Let's was. It's so it insane says. when you started looking at the bookings. They were close to like twelve hundred dollars a person. Everything else was like five hundred for the the icons. Yeah, just because of how new the ship is. It's like it's maiden voyages going soon. Freedom of the seas. What is that? What I said? No, you said like. Uh, Island, Legend of the Seas <laughs> or something. Right. Legend of the Seas. You, she became the largest passenger ship ever built in 20, 2006. Come on, Kenny. <laughs> Get with a bigger ship. This it's is... spring break. Everything was really expensive and sold out, okay? <laughs> Well, regardless of the ship type, that's really exciting. Glad you guys get to go on that trip. Last week, you obviously caught up on the episode. You were you were texting us about it. Yep. Uh, so you're familiar with uh, everything we talked about this year. And this, you know, it's the beginning of the year. I feel like we got to talk about your all's goals and what you're looking forward to in the coming year. Yeah. So that's where that's that's today's episode. A lot of them didn't include me, you know, on the previous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> on the previous episode, but yeah, I did edit out the part where Kenny was talking about removing you from the company. Yeah, so. we've hired a new master blender, okay. ADHD whiskey. <laughs> I don't think we can do that. We're just going to take it all to AI. Well, I'm just going to feed in some data points and let it spit out and say, "This is what you need to do: three barrels of this, one of this, and half of this," and you're off to the races. Let's let's talk about big overarching goals and everything like that especially currently of, of what we're going through. So we've got a, a lot of sort of small hurdles that we're going over currently, and that's over here at the distillery. So we are working on compliance and city sort of things that we're trying to get back into. I, I, compliance, that's the best word. It, we're just dealing with compliance. So we've got, I'd say, a little bit of construction ahead of us to create some containment areas, and we'll be back into more of an operational order where we can have more barrels in here and everything like that too. But that's going to be within probably the next three months. Hopefully it doesn't take that long, but it's construction. It yep. happens. Yeah, while well, on vacation, I get a text, fire marshal just showed up. I'm like, great, Kenny. <laughs> I can really enjoy my vacation right now. <laughs> so I'm having to have conversations with the fire marshal. On, so I wasn't just completely, just, I, I did call him by the pool, but, yeah, you know. We did, I've, I've learned way more about building codes and fire codes than I've ever thought I would in my life after going through this. So if you ever need to bounce something off me, find me at a good time and I might be able to give you some free advice. If not, I think I'm going to start my own yeah. consulting and, firm. You know, and, and if too, you're thinking about getting in this industry, especially on the producing distilling side, Moonshine University from day one said, if all possible, put your facility in a rural environment, not an urban one. And that is ring true so far with our experience. Yes. But the city of Louisville has been great and they've been very helpful, very helpful. And they want us here. So we've definitely been working alongside with them. So we had a few roadblocks, but now we're back in good graces and ready to move forward and make this thing happen. Yeah. And then I think the other kind of big thing, we'll talk about other smaller goals, sales, distribution, everything like that. in a little bit, of course, the, the one big goal post ahead of us right now is Whiskey Row. 
that is the one thing that we are putting a lot of effort into. It's going to take a lot of time from Ryan and I over the next nine months to see this through. And that's going to be everything from design to product to making sure there's product to sell, making sure that there is a good pipeline of product that we have inventory. It's hiring, it's cocktail menus, it's, I mean, you name it, everything. Picking from, out knobs and oh, cabinets. everything, and everything. All the, all the details. It's, it's a kitchen renovation time of a thousand is what it's going to be. Uh, I vowed to never do a renovation again after doing my home and now I'm doing one three times the size. So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> can't wait. Three times the size? Maybe. Remember, well, no, actually. These ceilings are what? They're like 16 feet? Yeah. My house is only 2,700 square feet and we got 8,000. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is like four houses that we're remodeling at once. Uh, I'm going to need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, downtown, I'm excited about it. They gutted it all, which was cool. So, I didn't, I haven't... I saw it kind of when they were in the demo part, but Kenny shot a video and sent it to us of it completely gutted, which is really cool because it was kind of, it's a beautiful building, but it was full of just crap from, you know, over the past couple hundred years. So it's really cool to just see it in its raw element and what we can, it's a blank canvas now where we can really start making it the way that we want to. So uh, we're excited about it. You know, there's a ton of action happening on Main Street. You go down there. I mean, there's people walking around with Michter's bags, you know, Bardstown Bourbon's new place is awesome. Buzzard Drews. You got Evan Williams, Old Forester, Angels Envy, Rabbit Hole. So we're excited just to be a part of that whole scene and provide whiskey fans something different and new and exciting from what you can get everywhere else. So and just kind of showcase our brand because it's, you know, we've really witnessed it here as we opened up kind of some visitor experience here at the warehouse over the last two months. And it's really an eye-opening, I guess, process for consumers because, you know, when when you say you're a, a blending bourbon and you're blending different mash fills from different states, you know, most people don't either care or don't can't wrap their head around it. But when you put them in the flesh and they go through the whole process, they see all the barrels, taste the individual components, try their own blends and or the different blends and whatnot, their, their eyes kind of really open. I think they gain a much more appreciation for what we do because it is not just buying barrels, putting them in, you know, blending them together and bottling them. It, it, it's a really tedious process that we go through to, to put out our products. So it, it's been an awesome experience for consumers and for us to be able to showcase what we do as a brand to consumers. Yeah. You know, I was there on Monday. I saw the, the latest and it is, it's completely empty. There's still one big thing is there's a, probably a good inch layer of plaster on the walls that has to be taken down still. But other than that, it's a complete shell of a space. It's all been gutted. For content, we've been like, let's make some cocktails. Or, you know, if you're doing merch, it's like, ah, it's fine. We'll like, we'll stock some merch here, down here. But once it comes to Whiskey Row, it's, it's all got to be on. It's all got to be on point. It's all got to be ready to go. It's like you were talking about, you know, having things set up to go. That's, Ryan, even you and I were talking about earlier this week. We're like, man, everything right now with the distillery is so busy. It stopped us from being able to shoot the content that we were doing before. That was just kind of really fun, interesting storytelling. It's just, you know, really playful. I think I said this stupid distillery is taking up all our time. <laughs> but that's, but you know, you know, and we, and we've got folks in here. We're trying to get the the tastings and everything sorted out with folks here to be able to lead those, get you guys free of time. But again, all the things that are going to be driving your attention 2024 are very much needed because it's not going to be like, let's play with some cocktail recipes for maybe recording a video this quarter. I mean, it's going to be, this stuff has to be done because we've got a fully operational place that people expect to be yeah. ready to go. That's where it gets 
slightly overwhelming because like Kenny said, you got a lot of staff, a lot of systems, a lot of processes. You got cocktail menus, people, training, all this stuff. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a blur of a year. We're gonna have to be really good at delegating. Oh, I think that's yeah. what it's gonna that's what it's gonna have to come down to. Kenny how to do that. I know. I'm I I'm definitely getting stuck in a spot where it's like, all right, if, if nobody's gonna do it, if you're not gonna do it right, then I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. So I I, I I've heard a great rule about that is somebody can do it seventy five percent of what you would do it. Delegate it. Okay. Well, I think you did I can a good find job this. I think you did a good job this week. I think I texted you two things and you said, message this person, email this person. <laughs> like, All right. Well, I'm not talking to Kenny this week. I guess I'm just going to go. get this thing moving along. Well, that's so because in over time we had delegated people and built them up to be able to lead those types of roles. So therefore, if somebody comes to me, I'm like, nope, you go to them. So that's been one of the things that I have, I've gotten a lot better in my life is, is just making sure that I, I don't get stuck doing everything. So we do try to find the right people to do it. But, you know, one of the things that I now like looking back on this, that we had kind of foreshadowed a little bit and maybe overdid it at first is that Remember when we were first going through here and we were planning for Whiskey Row? Because originally it was going to be March of 24 was what we were. And we went back, we looked at the spreadsheets and we're like, oh crap, we're going to run out of whiskey. And we went and we bought whiskey and we bought extra barrels that we thought we needed and stuff like that. And now we're getting to the point where it's like, well, I hope we're still going to need those barrels and going in because now we're essentially going to be going into a lot of the stuff that we have reserved for 2025, because if we're not going to be open until September, you know, we're going to start getting into the the downturn of the season, but we'll have more barrels that we can sell in the interim for other things that are just here at the distillery, whether they're one-offs or single barrels or, or anything like that. But as we're getting ready for downtown, that was always one of my biggest things was like, what do we do if we run out of inventory? Because we're not Heaven Hill. We're not Michter's. We're not Bars. We don't have this arsenal of barrels to just go and choose from. Right. We, and we kind of pigeonholed ourselves with this United concept. We really, you know, just said we're not going to be a, a I, I can't think of a better term, a, a sourcer of, just, you know, what's available on the market. We're going to find product or we're going to lay down new make. We're going to make the match bills specific to us. And so that was going to be a challenge, you know, moving into downtown if we were earlier. So we definitely prepared for that. It didn't happen, but it's kind of a blessing. I, I think it would have been way too rushed <laughs> trying to, to open up in March. Oh, gosh. So, At this point right now? Oh, my yeah. God. I'd be in – my stress levels are enough. I'm aging way faster than the whiskey, which is not a good thing. But, yeah, it's kind of all worked out, which is crazy. And so I'm, I'm excited, you know – Looking at it, they say September, hoping October, November is my realistic goal. Well, I'll I'll shoot for September. I'll keep us on track as much as we can. Yeah. To go to that point. Squeaky will. But yeah, but I mean, that's, but you're right. There's just, there's got to be so much that has to align to go that way. So we've already started reaching out to other people that we want in our gift shop. Uh, when I say other people, like other brands and other cool things that, that are in there. So trying to figure out, do we white label it with our own branding? Do we just bring it in wholesale? Do we create a completely new product that we collaborate on that we sell in the gift shop? So like, and I don't want to give away any teasers or spoilers yet, because I think we'll have plenty of time to be able to talk at that as, as it gets closer. But those are the things that are kind of running through our head right now. We're, we're planning nine months in advance for this. And there's just all these little things that have to have to start adding up really, really quickly. And thankfully, 
some of that is sort of on the back burner. A lot of the stuff that's right ahead of us is everything architectural wise. We've done the walkthrough, seen the sp- I've seen the space completely empty. And now I know what we have planned out and I know what our storage space is in the back. And I'm going, I think we have too much storage space. So I want to try to figure out how we can utilize even more space there to either do, I, I don't even know. I don't even have a good idea of what like a hidden speakeasy pop-up bar on the, you know. In the meantime, someone who's been working in this industry for 10 years says, no, you need that storage space plus more. So I'm like, Kenny, let's leave the storage space. But he wants to. I don't. I, I, he, I see our warehouse and I'm like, we've got plenty of storage space. So I'm not worried about that whatsoever. And we're only six minutes away. Yeah, but loading those trucks up takes time. I mean, loading your truck up. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, you were talking about the the demo and everything taking place trip down. When do when do we actually start moving in the in the positive direction? Not yeah, the demos, not, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still a little bit more demo to be done. So up next is actually structural demo. So inside that building, they had the original staircases that went through the entire thing. However, on the first floor and I think part of the basement, they had demoed those out at some point, I don't know when, and they installed new stairs that were sort of in the middle of the, I guess you could say in the middle of the building instead of being tucked away to the side. So by doing that, they ended up removing joists for the upper floors. And so now what they have to do is they have to take down the stairs and put new joists in that go across to make it structural, make make the uh, integral structure once again, to be able to now move stairs back to where they originally kind of were. So there is right now is, like I said, right now, the, the main demo of just getting all the crap from, you know, a hundred years that have just been sitting there out of the building that's been done. Now it's plaster and then it's structural demo. After that, then they start doing plumbing and electrical and everything like that. Plumbing is actually going to be one of the first things to do because as a part of this, you have to start figuring out where are your lines going to be ran, especially in the basement where our speakeasy and our bar is going to be because you've got to dig in the ground and you got to start digging up concrete down there to start running plumbing lines. So that's what the thing is. So they've got to figure out where sink's going to be dropped uh, to start planning for that right now. Yeah. Thankfully, we have a really good consultants and design team that can figure all this stuff out because I'm like, I have no idea what you all need. Well, let's, you want to name drop a little bit. So what of our design consultants, what have they worked on before? 21C Hotels across the country. 21C Hotels, Garage Bar here in Louisville. Fox Hollow Farm, Barn 8. I don't know if people have been to Barn 8. That's a really popular restaurant out in Goshen. Yeah. So they know what they're doing. Yep, exactly. So we've, we've got a really good team that's going to help us figure this out and they're, you know, they're, they're committed to everything too. So I'm really excited to see the ideas that they come up with. You know, it's definitely going to be in line. I think this is probably, we have to set the expectation for as well is that when you come to our place, let's say you go to Bardstown Bourbon Company first, and then you come to our place and you'd be going like, Hmm. Womp womp. Right. I, I don't want to make it sound like that because Bardstown Bourbon Company, it is it is nice. It's Carrera Marple, it's Penny Tile, it's Moss Walls, it's like It's the Ritz Carlton. It's so it so is. And I'm not gonna say we're the red roof in of it by any means, but maybe we're a holiday in. No, 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 no. We're the like cool with affordable a hipster boutique hotel. There you go, the boutique one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the what- The 21C of the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. right. And I think that's really what, uh, have you seen our label? You've seen all these other kind of things. Like we're not, 
it's not overly exaggerant. It's not opulent. It's it's definitely more modern. It's sleek. It's clean lines. It's minimalist. Is really kind of what it is at the end of the day. Minimalist by choice, not by by budget. But those are one of those things that I I really think that we're looking forward to seeing how the design is all going to come together. Because right now, it's just spatial positioning of rooms and where things will go. So I'm really excited to see exactly where that's going to build out. But like I said, we've got a we got nine months until that happens. So we're we're constantly fighting fires every single day, and I'm I'm always going like next week will be better. Oh, I say that every Wednesday. I'm like, if I can just get through this week, and then I get to Friday, I'm like, crap, next week looks just as bad. <laughs> it's like if all we get to this week. But you know, you talked about packaging. Would you, you want to drop the that we're kind of maybe looking at working on some new packaging yeah, this I think, year. I think that's that's uh, another goal of this year. It is. It's another. It's another huge goal. Uh, I know we want to get it done as soon as possible, but we definitely want to have it done before the launch of the downtown space. And we're we've looked at it, and we've we've kind of we've gone back and forth. We lo- we we liked what we had. I mean, we liked the bottle shape. We liked the label. It's different. It's clean. You know, the the bottle is pretty much the like, spitting image of Widow Jane. And we kind of go back and we try to figure out: Is this working? Is it not working? And when you see something on a computer screen and you see it mocked up, you go, "Holy crap! This is it. This looks amazing." And we loved it, and we loved everything about it. And then when you see it on the store shelves, it kind of got lost. And that was one of those things that we we kind of went back to and we're like, if I'm scrolling through, you know, pictures on Facebook, like I've got to squint, like it's really hard to find our bottle. And this was actually a prediction that came on the round table this year was, I think they're going to see a lot of packaging changes to be more upgraded and upscale and everything like that. And that's essentially what we're going for. We naively put way too much money into the whiskey and not into the marketing side of things. Whereas we should have been, a little bit more conscious of, of today's consumer and not get caught in today's 1% of bourbon that are the podcast listeners of us. And the 1% of the podcast listeners, like they get us, like they understand it. They, they know the blending, they know the story, but it's not enough to carry the brand. And we've got to break beyond that into a, a larger market where people don't know that C and C stands for Cecil and Coleman. We've got to break beyond that where people are just buying the bottle because, oh crap, that looks really cool. I want that on my bar. As bad as it sounds, that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's how a lot of brands that just basically are sourcing whiskey, putting in a bottle and sell a marketing story. That's that's how they're getting ahead of us is because they have better packaging. And it's not because the whiskey's any better. I'll I'll go on record and say I think our whiskeys will go head it'll go head to head toe to toe with some of the best that's out there. I mean, we've already proven that through last year and, and Fred Minnick's tops awards and everything like that. So I mean I we're we're in the running. We're in the conversation. We should be, but we're missing that factor only because I think the packaging might be holding us back just because it's missing that cool factor. I think somebody said at a at, at a conference or at a whiskey festival that we're the Cleveland Browns of the whiskey world. It's like, not well, just 2023, it's, that sounds like a great thing. Though, yeah, right? they made the playoffs, conference champs. <laughs> See, but your packaging sucks, right? <laughs> so they're the worst uniforms out there. That's, that, that's what it is. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it, it is. You know, as much as we wanted and hoped for that, the you know, we didn't want to be a marketing company. We wanted the whiskey to speak for itself. And we liked the packaging, And but and to be frank, we didn't have the money. And packaging is so expensive, upfront cost, and- and, you know, we wanted to, that something represented us 
that way we could get to market that was affordable, but still had some, you know, not high in element, but some, some nice elements to it, the foiling and whatnot. But I, I definitely think it's a much needed upgrade for us as we continue to scale and, and reach beyond our audience. Cause it's, you know, the, the shelves are more crowded than they were three years ago when we launched in, you know, a differentiator, you know, when you're, if you're a consumer who has no idea what's inside the bottle, cause 90% of the consumers don't no, they and they don't, don't they care, don't, they don't have to read but label. they see a cool bottle and, you know, fancy packaging that's going to help decide their purchase decisions. So that's definitely uh, something we've been working on, you know, for God, six months now, and we're still just kind of figuring out where we're which direction we're going to go. So I'm excited to get that going. Yeah. And it, it's, it's all about making sure that we hit the price point of what people expect. I think their whiskey, it hits those price points. You you get a fantastic whiskey in the bottle for the $65 that you're going to get in a bottle of Percy United. Does the packaging match up to it? Debatable. I, I can see it where some people are like, yeah, like it's just, you know, you, you need some more, you know, something that's going to make it upscale and, and, and bring it there. And I think we've, we've heard that loud and clear and we're going to going back to the, I don't want to say the drawing board, but we're definitely going to take a way to, and, and as you said before, we learned so much since we started this. Now I figured out how to source glass, how to get custom glass, how who the right people to get, how to get it for an inexpensive way, how to get from China. Like I know how to do all import export. I, know, I figured out how to do all that. Like COVID taught me how to do a lot of this sort of stuff. So now that I've taken these hard lessons, we can use that to really create a, a better product too going forward. I don't even know. Like I hear what you're talking about and one of the predictions being, you know, redesigns of stuff, but what bottle design are people even looking for these days? I mean, it doesn't, you look over at Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, it doesn't stop that from being one of the hottest bottles talked about. And it's, it's, it's just text on a bottle. Like, well, what? hold on, let's, let's, let's rewind that. I mean, what was Elijah Craig before this current packaging, right? What they, what my wife likes to say, what they did is they took that old squat bottle and they ran over it with a steamroller and they, they kind of straightened it up, made it taller and put it on the shelves. They kind of elevated its look. Sure. Right. I think that's exactly what's happening. But if it, you took that same bottle and you put it back on the shelves, it would sell twice as fast. <laughs> I don't that's think right. so. Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's, you might get it just from the bourbon nerds who are looking for that, that retro throwback sort sure, of thing. I get, it, I get it. But crap, look at wild turkey. They can't go two years without a packaging change and that doesn't stop anything. Yeah. yeah look at in, Baker's. I mean, Baker's was set on shelves until they kind of change their package and now so it's, so what would you what would you categorize that entire general change is it more sleek like more clean than even where you all were going like what would you what would you quantify that as no i mean as in like what we're going for not even necessarily what you're going for yes but also as a whole why would all these other brands be headed toward like what are they all headed towards what is it that people are saying this is what a whiskey consumer is looking for. Well, I don't think you can get away with having a lower end product. I don't, I, there's a reason why nobody buys screw tops at $30 plus, right? It just doesn't have that feel. It doesn't have that, that aura of this feels upscale. And that's what I think people, we've seen the trend of how whiskey pricing has gone. Ryan predicts that it might go down this year, but only it's going to go down a couple dollars. Mm-hmm. But you see that people are taking stuff from their younger stocks, holding it maybe another year, and all of a sudden it comes out with a, a price point that's a 150% than what it was before. 
And they're doing that because people are are willing to spend a premium amount for if they think they're getting a premium product. And we are also hitting the time. I know there's been a kind of a, a slowback of buying, but the consumer is not changing. The people that really got into this two years ago that really kind of set this thing off on a rocket ship, they're not going back and just buying bottles of mellow corn. I hate to say it, but they're not doing that, right? They're on the hunt. They're trying to find new things and they're not going to be bottom shelf surfing. Anytime you get a refresh or something, it's it's the same reason why professional teams, they get new jerseys every few years because the people that wear jerseys always want the new jerseys, yeah, right? And that's the same thing I think that happens in that world. It's like, you've just got to go and you've got to continually do these refreshes because it's going to, I mean, heck, Four Roses did it. Last year, two years ago, and the, you know, last the, year, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, you see like a, a heritage brand like that, and something that it was, it was very subtle, but it was, it definitely brought it a little bit more upscale. And this went all the way down to their bottom, not bottom shelf, to their lower tier product. Yeah, yeah. And you saw, you know, like Penelope. As soon as they, you can really trace back to where they started really gaining track it, traction. And I'm not saying it's all because of it, but I think it's part of the the reason they're successful is that, you know, they took what was a plain wine bottle, standard wine bottle that every single brand uses, but they put that screen print of that big P and then the floral arrangements behind it or the orange with the Valencia, you know, it just was an upscale package to where a consumer, it, it just puts it all together, you know, and I think that's the, we have the good whiskey, we have a good story, but with the packaging, I think, is that final piece to, like, complete the loop for a consumer's buying decision is, like, I think maybe that's what one piece we're missing. But maybe not. And we've talked about the change from from the bottle that was before that, too. So are you are you all just thinking about label kind of redesign, keeping the same bottle? Or, or you know, where are you at with that? So it started off as that, mm-hmm. where we were looking at just redesigning the label and the more we went back into it and the more we just sat there and looked at it, it just kind of came to the conclusion that there's no way to make our current bottle feel upscale. It's got to be a birthday bourbon size. Bottle. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole different story. But it was just one of those things. It's like, it doesn't scream, it doesn't scream like modern aesthetic. It doesn't scream... <laughs> I don't know. It's just missing that, whatever that umph or whatever that, that thing is. It just wasn't, it just isn't there. I like it. I think it's, it's like, it feels good in your hand. It's, it's heavy. We've got a little bit of custom branding in the lip and stuff like that. But, you know, we want to make sure we, I think Bardstown Bourbon Company is a great example. Like I love their bottle shape. You know, the idea when something starts at the bottom and tapers up, I think like something like that feels like a trophy. And Maybe it's just trying to read between the lines, but I really like the way something like that feels. You know, one of the, you know, everything that you have, you know, you have decisions, like you always have constraints on how you make those decisions. And we could have opened it up and said, let's figure out any type of bottle shape, anything we want to do, whatever it is. But the constraint that we have is that if we want to do any sort of bottling here at our own facility, our equipment isn't really handled to do anything except for round-ish bottles. They can taper. They can go in different directions and tapering and stuff like that. But like a square bottle, that's kind of out of the question uh, and stuff like that. And and I'm not ready to drop another like 50 grand in a bottling line just to be able to move well, to And my personal shape. preference is I like round bottles over square or flat shapes, but that's just me. What about you, Brian? What I do like you round think? Round bottles and I cannot lie. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I, you, I honestly, I don't think... 
I honestly don't think I've put much thought into the shape of a bottle that I really like. So I don't know. I mean, I, I like the way that the slender bottles feel. So like, I think Elijah Craig, I don't like the, the maybe the shape specifically of it, but I, but it's thin because of its shape that it is. You know, and a lot of people are going towards the the cognac or the wine type bottles. There's something about that I, I kind of like the feeling of. It's it's cylindrical, but it's thinner. But you know, the odd thing is, is those wine bottles, those are the cheapest cheap, things yeah. you can get. Absolute yeah. cheapest things on the market. But people yeah. like it. I just don't know that I think much about it except for, like, even this one that we have in front of us, too. Like, I would even say, like, it's just, it's kind of big in the hand. It's a rounded bottle still, but I, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think I think much about it. I do look at labels a lot, but I honestly don't know that I have a yeah. specific opinion of that, which is just really what raised the question of like, what is it do you think that the consumer is looking for in this particular time that would have people switching branding? But these are the things that we think about all the time. Uh, we try to figure out what works, what's not going to work. And we're, we're heavily involved. We're still in the bourbon communities. Like we, we see what people are posting on the forums, what people are chasing after, what people are talking about. And as much as, you know, every once in a while we get a, a small shout out here and there, which is thank you to people that are, are doing that for us and giving us a little bit of love and spreading the good gospel of pursuit. But we always see people chasing and talking about the same exact kind of bottles. Mm -hmm. So if it's the same exact bottles, what are those bottles saying? Is it the whiskey? Is it the bottle shape? Is it the branding? Is it the marketing? Is it the story? Like those are the things we, we try to dissect every single time. And we, we dissect that in ourselves. And that's hence the reason why we look at it. And if it was, if it was so easy where you could scan a, a wall of bottles and you could pull ours out in you know, just a blink of an eye, I'd be like, oh yeah, we got no problem at all. But in my opinion, we, we do have a little bit of problem there. Uh, you know, our, our, core product is is a black label, which it's kind of lost in the shelf. I think the Oak Collection enhanced that when we had our, our white label. Definitely. We'll be coming out with Double Oak. That's going to be our white label, which is kind of analogous to our Pursuit series, which is the white label, which I love white labels for some reason, like bright, white, clean. It just looks really cool until you start pouring whiskey all over it, then it doesn't look as cool That's anymore. Right. Yeah, as soon as you open and start pouring, it's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, like I said, I, I love that that kind of like bright white. And I think that's the, and that's, that's I think that's the difference of us is like, well, it's not this dudgy old kind of brand that's all, you know, dark and ominous. Like it's like, we're clean, we're bright, we're funny, like whatever it is. I think two more things we can kind of hit on too, distribution, but I'd also be curious, you know, just talking about where, where your mind is in terms of like the blending and like, you know, what, what are you looking forward to with stocks that you have or, or the pups program or anything like that? Yeah. So we, you know, obviously moving into our own facility gave us much greater control about the final end product, which I'm very excited about and very happy with the products we've put together. We did our first batch of bourbon, which was 11 CD has yet to hit market some distributors that pick it up I, I don't think it's hit shelves yet but just being in control of the process more i think it's definitely going to improve the quality the pups program which is our pursuit united private selection you know for this we, we had about 50 ish barrels that are ready in my in according to what i think is ready we'll have about 50 barrels ready to do use for our four core products plus the pups for this first quarter, then we have about a hundred that I'm still waiting on to, to see what they're going to do coming out of the winter and the spring 
as we move into the summer, see what they're, they're tasting like. So, you know, far from an age perspective, we have probably going to have close to 150 ish barrels for bourbon. We're going to have about, I I think in between 50 to 80 rye barrels to work with. So, you know, it's, it's not a, which combined the last two years, we've only had a 50 barrels of bourbon, 50 barrels of rye available to us. So this just allows me to be more choosy, more picky and be able to work more creatively with the, the individual barrels to create products. You know, we created 20 or eight, sorry, 18 pups out of the, those 50. So the pups are, you know, anywhere from two to five barrel blends that we refill, refill into the, the barrels they came out of, which we're learning more and more about and how that's working. And I, like we tasted through the first 18 and nine of them were like home runs. The other ones I'm going to let sit longer to get more flavor extraction out of the, you know, the rebarreling or whatever. And then we've started doing the double oak too with the pups. So the, you know, the, the, the double oaking process has been in for about a month. I'm really loving the trajectory that that's heading. We got the double oak that we're going to put out to market, which won't be a single barrel offering. That'll be the first run will probably be about 300 cases uh, six pack cases, so about eighteen hundred to two thousand bottles. Really loving the direction that's going. We're about four weeks into that finishing process. I'm I'm wanting to give it about two to three more weeks, see where it's at. So yeah, I'm really excited about the barrels that we've gotten in, you know, and tasted through the first fifty, and then I'll go through in about May, start working on stuff for Q3 and Q4 to release. Let's get to where. Kenny was hitting on in distribution. Yeah, so we're in the nine markets that we're in. We're still, we have some great states that they're just killing it for us. We still have a couple that we're <laughs> struggling and trying to figure out how do we improve the relationship? How do we create more impact, you know, with the distributors that we're working with, with the retail stores that we want to be in? And two, we're expanding, we're opening up. I think Kenny hint on this, we're opening up into Maryland Delaware and DC, which we're super excited about. We've been in talks with this distributor for gosh, three or four years now, and we finally have the product available to make that happen. So we're launching up there. Kenny and I are going up there sometime in mid, no, late February to launch Maryland, DC and Delaware. So super excited about that. We have a couple other states really that we're looking hard at. You know, I'm I'm not saying this is going to happen, but we're really looking hard at Indiana, Oklahoma, and maybe Wisconsin. We're kind of looking at where, you know, it takes a lot to open up a new state from a resource. From resources, you have to have the whiskey, but you also have to have the support. And, you know, the ambassador program, as Kenny has talked about on the last episode and expanding that even further, but you have to make sure your audience is there to support you. And those three states really have our support from from an audience and fans. And so we could feel comfortable about moving into those states and launching ambassador programs and launching there. But, you know, it's just trying to find the right distribution partner because we've learned the hard way that you just don't take the one that says, yeah, we'd love to have you because yeah, (laughs) they'll love to have you. And then they'll take you in and then just sit you in the warehouse and do absolutely nothing for you. And you're just banging your head against the wall, trying to, to make something happen with them. So we're being much more I guess, diligent and cautious about opening up new states. We're finding the partners that believe in us, that believe in what we're doing and that can get behind us because it's it's such an important part. I, a lot of fans and a lot of whiskey fans don't understand that. They just see 
bottles on the shelf and they have no idea the Herculean effort it takes to get bottles on shelves into accounts. And it's, I mean, that's probably what we spend 50 to 60% of our time on is just that trying to work with distributors and getting, you know, those relationships built and products on shelf. And I'd like to find distributors that kind of lessen that load where we're not just banging our head. They kind of are, are on our same team. So that's, that's our goal for distribution is maintaining the ones we have, maybe looking at changing a few and adding a few. It's good to hear you talk about Indiana. I feel like of the comments I see come through, I, I at least hear a lot of people like, why can't you get it to us? We're just right above you. There's a lot of bourbon drinkers in Indiana. So yeah, it's definitely been one of the things that we, we took notice of. There's way too much, you know, for, for as much as I yeah. feel like we've been, you know, eyeballing the last two years of doing this podcast, that's a lot on your all's plate to, to, to focus on for 2024, which is going to give you very full plates while your plates are already very, very full. So we have some overflowing plates here. Anything else that we need to hit before we keep going or just save it for the next episode? Remember the keyword is delegation. <laughs> delegation. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's so much to do. Uh, now I have anxiety <laughs> leaving this episode, but no, it's, you know, I was at my men's Bible group last night and I was kind of feeling overwhelmed after the day we had yesterday. And, you know, I was talking about that and someone said, you know, every time I get overwhelmed and feel like that, they said, I, I kind of just look back and say, I'm, I'm thankful that I have those responsibilities and those opportunities. So while it is overwhelming, I am very grateful and thankful we're in this position and have these opportunities while it is overwhelming. We've proven that we can get through a lot. We've Kenny and I have gotten so much closer and so much tougher as we've gone through this mess of trying to start your own brand and think we're excited about the opportunities we have in front of us and we're ready for the challenge. I feel like a perfect moment for like a Rihanna or Beyonce song or something <laughs> right there. Uh, Just a real bring that empowerment like there. A little titanium. Well, guys, thanks again for listening to another episode of Behind the Pursuit. Again, if you have any questions for the guys, podcast topics to get into as we crack into 2024, podcast at com. We'd love to hear that from you all and really excited for all the things we have coming up in the new year. And hey, let's hope that Ryan gets a drink tonight just to ease that anxiety just a little bit. Short term. Yeah. Guys, thanks again for listening to another episode. Until next time, see you all later. Toodles. Toodles.